receive exposure on a 7200 watt station that can be heard throughout Chicago and online throughout the country. If you are interested in underwriting, send an email to wnursports at gmail.com. It's affordable, tax deductible, and helps Northwestern students bring you broadcasts like this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. It's time for Pick'em. Let's get ready to rumble! Question number one. Final score of the Pac-12 championship on Friday was Washington 10, Utah 3. Six of those 13 points were scored via a very lucky defensive touchdown. Suffice it to say, wasn't the most entertaining game of all time. So we wanted to know, what is the worst conference championship game in any sport? Nick, you so go I first. Didn't, I didn't realize you were using the, the Washington example, so that was, that was the example I was going to go with. Um, I watched a little bit of that game, and it was just it was it was a game for defense. So if you like defense, it was a good game. But was Washington won off a really bizarre interception, and it wasn't a very exciting game at all. Um, and obviously, it even it was so boring. And you know, Utah, there was even officiating problems in that game. So I think I think in terms of of, of terrible conference championship games, it can't get much worse than that. But it was the example you just said. So. So the inaugural Sun Belt Championship game was played this year, and frankly, they needn't have bothered. App State got the win, and their schedule this year may have been weaker than UCF's. Any decent program should be winning 10 games if their competition is the Texas State Bobcats, who lost to Rutgers this season. This entire team comprised 160 passing yards, and you know when the game recap highlights the place kicker as one of the three players who mattered, that it was a rough day for the offense. App State is onto the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Cool! Chances are you suck if a freight shipping company is sponsoring the bowl. Question number two. Disaster almost struck the Miami Heat on Friday. Leading by as many as 31 points, they well, fell back to within three against the New Orleans Pelicans before ultimately the Heat came out victorious. So we want to know what is the worst ever team in-game meltdown? Nick, you go first with this one. It's 2014. You're in Estadio Mirarau, and it's Brazil, and you're playing Germany. You've got a country on your shoulders if you're the Brazil team, and you go out, and you fall flat on your face. It's a 7-1 to loss. I know Brazil may have never been in this game, but as a country to melt down like that is just inexplicable, and I think Brazil had the hopes of a country and a culture and the likes of Pele on their shoulders, and you can't do that if you're Brazil. In 2004, with 35 seconds to go, the San Antonio Spurs were up by eight against the Houston Rockets. As one announcer put it, oh, ball game over. All we need here is the final score. Oof! Spurs had to do the absolute bare minimum to close this one out, and they somehow let Tracy McGrady knock down four three-pointers, including a four-point play at the hands of basketball IQ king Tim Duncan. Even after the first three threes, with 10 seconds to go and the Spurs up by two, they had to just dribble and wait for a foul, and Kevin Brown basically handed it to McGrady, leading to the dagger in regulation. A pitiful showing from Popovich's team. Question. Question. 
number three. I was just thinking about some. I don't. I don't really have an impetus for this question. I was just thinking about some bad potential college basketball games, and I just wanted to know. I was just thinking about it. What is the worst ever basketball matchup between two major conference teams? For now, that counts as the Power Five versus the Big East. But earlier can be different conferences. You got to explain it to me why. If it's not one of those six conferences, why? Why it would be one of those conferences? For this question, Ben, you're gonna go first. Uh, well, UConn is UConn, so I think they deserve inclusion. Uh, the 2015 Women's Sweet 16 was a very pathetic showing from Texas. They ran away with this one, UConn did, 105-54. to And Texas was a good team. They were number five in the tournament. And they competed well against a crowded Big 12 conference. But UConn led 52-24 to at the half, and UConn scored even more points in the second half with 53. Mariah Jefferson and Brianna, Stew uh, Brianna Stewart combined to shoot 21 to for 28 from the field for 56 points. I'm going to a 2011 Big Ten men's tournament basketball quarterfinal. Wisconsin, number 13 in the country. Penn State, Nittley Lions beat them 36 to 33. Jimmer Fredette had more points for Penn. Nope, sorry, wrong game. But if you're number 13, Wisconsin, you can't lose to Penn State, Nittley Lions. It's unacceptable. That's that's not a game that can be lost, especially if you're number 13 in the country. Only 69 points were scored that game. Teams score more. Duke's been scoring more than that in games. Question number four. In a blockbuster trade, the Mariners dealt second baseman Robinson Cano to the Mets. But however, many in the baseball world think the 36-year-old second baseman is in for a decline and that the trade could turn out to not affect either team. So what is the most important seeming at the time baseball dealer trade that turned out to be maybe not so important. Ben, you go first for this one. The Giancarlo Stanton trade changed nothing for the Yankees or for baseball in 2018. Naturally, the trade was a goldmine for the New York media in terms of hype. His $325 million contract is the largest in MLB history, and he and Judge combined for 111 home runs in 2017. This was supposed to make the Yankees into the team to beat in the MLB, but the Red Sox adding J.D. Martinez ended up being a vastly superior acquisition. The Stanton signing did nothing to change the landscape of the MLB, and the Yankees actually exited the playoffs earlier than 2017. Alright, he stole mine. I had Giancarlo Stanton as well. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know much about baseball, so I had to pull this one out of, out of a hat, really. Uh, did a lot of research. Giancarlo was my pick. He didn't really do much this season uh, compared to his 59 home runs the season before, almost hitting that 60 mark uh, in baseball. His, his contract is, is through the roof. Uh, New York paid so much money for him, and I don't think it really paid off for them as they exited the playoffs early, as Ben said. Question number five. If you look at the NBA standings right now, you might be in for a surprise because the LA Clippers are currently on top of the Western Conference standings. Who is the most surprising one seed in NBA or NHL history? Uh, Nick's going to go first for this one. All right. I'm going to have to go with last year's number one NHL seed, uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. If you look at their team, they're a first-year expansion team. Expansion teams are supposed to be bad. They've always been bad. If you look at the Minnesota Timberwolves, they're still bad. You know, Vegas had a coach that had just been kicked off a team. They had a bunch of non-starters who they came together as a cohesive team to, 
to win the Stanley Cup. They beat some of the best players in the, in the world um, with a team instead of individual players. Um, Vegas came together. Let's just say it's a good thing I had a backup. This one goes to the 2013 to 2014 Indiana Pacers. On the road, this was a 500 team. And sure, Paul George was nice, but seven foot two Roy Hibbert averaged fewer rebounds per game than Lance freaking Stevenson. This season, Hibbert set a record as the first ever All-Star to go scoreless in four postseason games. And they nearly lost in the first round of the 38 and 44 Atlanta Hawks. They had no place being the first seed, especially in a conference that included the Miami Heat with LeBron. Fantastic pick em. Wow. As we say here, um, <laughs> some great answers all around. Five questions that we have <laughs> 10 minutes to get to. So let's get right to it. Question one. Noah, we asked Ben and Nick, what is the worst conference championship game in any sport? Well, but we got a couple of answers from 2018. Nick went with the Pac-12 championship, and Ben went with... Which conference is this? The, the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt, yeah. Guys, there are like 25 college sports. Okay, I'm not saying that Washington State and Utah like wasn't bad. Washington years. Utah wasn't bad. Yeah, 120 years of college sports. Washington Utah was a bad game, and we we hadn't put that up there by the time we sent out Pickham. So I understand that pick. The Sun Belt Championship to me is an indefensible pick here. He said that there was no offense. Appalachian State rushed for 225 yards and scored 30 points. What are you talking about? Appalachian State, he also said they had a bad schedule. They sent Penn State to OT. Penn State finished number 12 in the country. So, first of all, I don't think this is a bad game. Both teams ran for over 200 yards. Uh, maybe the passing wasn't there, but 49 points were scored. Certainly a, a fine game in its own right. Uh, and second of all, Appalachian State is not a bad team in any way. So... Don't get that answer. Washington Utah is clearly worse for me here, Ari. Uh, yeah, I mean, having watched almost the entirety of that it was Washington Utah game, it was not a good game in any way. Uh, one of those teams will be in the Rose Bowl and will get destroyed by Ohio State. Can't remember which one. So it's Washington. Okay. I um, wish I could forget. I did not watch yeah. any of the Sun Belt. Actually, I watched some of it. I think I turned it on at one point. How'd um, Appalachian State look? I can't remember. But <laughs> fair, it, it was fair. a better game, I think. Um, yeah. So. Uh, Maybe next time we can we can always learn from this though. Dig more into the history books or look more. But for this, I think we're gonna give Nick the point on this one and move on to question two. Yeah, question two. We got two great answers for this one. We wanted to know what was the worst in-game team meltdown, and we got two kind of opposite answers here. So one of them was um, Brazil versus Germany, the World Cup semifinals. Nick went with just a t a full game meltdown, pretty much. Well, or really a first half meltdown when Brazil gave up the uh, seven goals to the Germans and uh, the worst World Cup like semifinal loss or final loss in in history, I believe. Uh, and and Ben went with a. A more of a comeback given up. Uh, the famous Tracy McGrady 13 points in 33 seconds game over the Spurs, where I believe the Spurs were up 10 with 33 seconds to go. Is that right, Ari? When, when, did, the, when, did, they, when did this video uh, start at? It starts with the Spurs up 8 with 36 seconds left. Thirty. So Spurs were up 8 with 36 seconds left, hit their free throws, and still lost the game because Tracy McGrady scored 13 and 33. One of the most impressive individual performances ever, though Ben makes a good point that the Spurs did melt down a little bit along the way. Um, Ari's watching the video right now. I'm leaning a little bit towards Brazil-Germany just because the meltdown was certainly worse, but that McGrady performance was so unique. I don't know. This is, what a, this is a tough one for me, Ari. What, what are you looking at? Uh, I, I don't know if the McGrady one... I, I think I'm leaning towards the... I think I'm leaning more towards Germany because like, it's not as much of a meltdown for Tracy McGrady 
because uh, I mean it's just a stellar individual performance. The Spurs a little bit of a meltdown, but I think all in all for the Brazil versus Germany, you get more of a single team meltdown. I hear that. So we're gonna give this point to Nick. A good good a- good question though. Two good answers. Uh, two oh Nick. As we head into the third question, all right, take it away. All right, so third question. We asked the worst ever basketball matchup between major conference teams. Got some good answers for this one. Nick went with 2011, uh, Wisconsin versus Penn State, 36-33 uh, in that one. And Ben went with uh, an NCAA tournament game, 2015 Sweet 16, UConn versus Texas, 105-54 to at the height of UConn's prowess. Uh, some good answers. Uh, it depends more of which way you want to interpret the question, whether you want the blowout or the just bad matchup, similar to Washington-Utah. Which way do you think? No. So the thing for me here is, I mean, Penn State-Wisconsin, for, for true Big Ten basketball aficionados, this game is legendary. I encourage anybody who's hearing about this game for the first time to check out Tristan Jung's magnum opus on this one over on InsiderNew.com. You can, you can find that. It's truly phenomenal. If you've read Tristan Jung before, you know what it, it's, it's going to be absurdist, very niche stuff. But yeah, I mean, 36-33 kind of speaks for itself. Taylor Battle led the way here, led Penn State to a valiant win over a, a Wisconsin team that, that didn't give up a lot of points that year um, and had, had a pretty good season. But this was just an incredibly, incredible, incredibly inept offensive game. In fact, one of the most offensively inept games in NCAA history. Whereas the women's game here is kind of your standard issue UConn blowout with the added bonus of Texas being especially considered, they were, they were considered especially good that year. Like, UConn, I think this year in the Sweet 16, they only won by, like, 30 points. And that year, they won by 50, which is a significant upgrade. The thing, the problem for me is that UConn always wins by a lot in the Sweet 16. So, I think both these games are bad. I just think one of them is a little bit more unique, but I'm not really sure. Where are you leaning? Um, it's tough. Um, what I'm torn is that Wisconsin-Penn State that year, like, you thought it was going to be a good game going in. Those are those were two teams that were expected Wisconsin to be Wisconsin gave up like 50 points a game, though. You but, knew it was going to be a grinded-out game. But they, but yeah, but they were both good teams, whereas you knew where UConn-Texas was going. Well, well they UConn and Texas are both better than Wisconsin and Penn State that year. Yeah, I mean, Texas true. Texas is a four-seed, I think. Maybe they were a five-seed. They were either four or five-seed. And UConn, I mean, UConn is UConn. Yeah, I think you're I'm not right. saying you expected that game to be close, but... I, th- I think you're right. I think 36-33 is a, is a tough one. It's tough. I think that's where we're going to go. All right. Nick takes the third Nick. point. Nick takes the win, but we'll, we'll, we'll round out these last two quickly. Um, in one of the weirdest pairs of answers I have ever seen on Pick'em, we asked the most important seeding at the time offseason baseball trade uh, that turned out to be not as important, and we got the same answer twice. The same answer that was not obvious at all, at least to me, the Giancarlo Stanton trade, which... Giancarlo, first of all, had his the by far the best year of his career last year, but but had a very solid year this year as well. I mean, four war, maybe that's not what you're paying for, but the man hit 38 homers, had 100 RBIs, walked 70 times. He certainly didn't have a bad year by any means, and maybe he didn't lead the Yankees anywhere, but his th- that trade was the number one piece in the eventual demise of the Marlins. I mean, R11, our resident Marlins fan, can speak to this. Yeah. That was what caused the Marlins to crater in a historical tank job. I mean, they're going to be talking about this Marlins tank job for decades. I, and it's because of this Stanton trade. I don't understand how you're going to call this an insignificant trade when the Marlins it lost 98 the, it games It changed the focus year. of an entire team. This is, this is who the Marlins are, is the Stanton trade. So we're going to avoid this question. Yeah, we're avoiding we this the one. These are bad twice. answers. Um, so we go on to question five. We asked about the most surprising number one seed limited to winter sports, NBA, NHL. Nick went with last year's Vegas Golden Knights. Ben, the 2013 Pacers, two very solid answers. 
I would say. Yeah, another another pair of great answers. I think, again, this one's just put over the top by, by Vegas being the expansion team. Um, Pacers were a very good answer. I, I, I don't know. I'm th- I'm thinking the more I think about it, the more I want to lean Pacers here. But you know, Vegas as an expansion team, nobody expected them to even make the playoffs, let alone be the one seed. Whereas the Pacers weren't a good team that year. They weren't like a phenomenal team that year, but they were still expected to be like a six, seven seed range going into the season. I think one of them is a lot more surprising than the other. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm always leaning towards Vegas, uh, especially on a question like this. Just an expansion team coming out of nowhere, getting the one seed, dominating, going all the way to the finals before falling off. A fantastic story. I, I think that was more surprising to me than the Pacers getting a one seed and having it be close. So, final score, Nick wins it. 4 nothing. It's a sweep. It's a shutout. I don't think we, can call, call it. It. we can call it a shutout. I want to call it we a sweep. We can call it a shutout. It's not a sweep. We can call it a shutout. Uh, so, Nick wins it. And, Ben, unfortunately, this is for you. You're a loser. You're despicable. Well... Hello, loser. Turbo, turbo, turbo. Crazy knucklehead turbo. Just go home and cry to your daddy. Don't cry here, okay? Why don't you go back outside and talk to trees or whatever it is you do? And for Nick, 30 seconds of FaceTime. All right, so I... I am so thankful for this win. To be honest, I thought they were really, really hard questions. I got to give credit to Ben Moscow over here. Uh, he had some really good answers. Um, I don't really know much about baseball. I was a Twins fan for most of my life, so it's, it's kind of disappointing. Um, I didn't really get it, but I want to say hi to my mom, my dad, all my friends who are listening. Um, you know, I had a really good time at this game this weekend. I hope to be there back, back there next week, uh, next year at December 7th. And as always, go Cats! Thanks so much, Ben and Nick, for joining us. Another great edition of the Sports Voice. Um, maybe a show next week. We're not 100% sure. Stay tuned to uh, WNURsports.com and WNURsports on Twitter. We'll keep you updated on whether or not there will be a sports block next week because next week, reading week, heading into finals, and then we'll be done for the quarter. Noah Kaufman will be with you on winter quarter. Uh, that's all the time we have this week. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you either next week or next quarter. Producers of the Sports Voice are Henry Ettinger and Zach Coons. The WNUR Sports Directors are Sam Brief and Will Greer. Thanks for listening, have a good night, and as always, go Cats!